Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back. Welcome back, family. I'm Jahan Jones. Hey y'all, it's your girl Taryn Finley. And of course, it's your boy Shakira Ron Blake. And it's crazy, y'all, because one of the craziest presidential elections in American history is less than two weeks away. Two. And I'm two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And I'm still calling it the Battle of the Golden Boys Ooh. after the debate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But before we get into all of that, we have to talk about something serious. We have to address what is happening in Nigeria. Unfortunately, the violence just won't stop, y'all. It just keeps going. Nigerian security forces opened up fire at a peaceful demonstration in Lagos. And basically what happened was people went out to protest. The government gave a curfew. However, the people still came out to protest against police brutality. And they were met with guns. And about 10 people were shot. The image that unfortunately that is stuck in my head is the image of Nigerian citizens with flags and the flags covered with blood. And I just, I just can't. Mm. I can't. Mm. I couldn't sleep. After seeing that, I couldn't sleep. I'm just so grateful that we had Osai on the podcast last week to explain to particularly Americans like what it looks like when social justice movements take hold on the African continent. I think sometimes we think that's very exclusive to the United States, but they are they are facing their own in Nigeria social justice movement that looks very similar to ours and like yeah. how we go about advocacy and how we fit into that it's just been very interesting to to learn, you know. Yeah, not only looks similar but, you know, it's very much connected, you know. I think this fight for liberation um for us for the diaspora is very much united and we need to make sure that we are all, you know, paying attention and, and fighting to make sure that we end all kind of uh, state violence against people that look like us. This is an unfortunate story, but the beautiful thing about it, the whole world is watching. Everyone is talking about this and everyone is watching what is going on in Nigeria. If you are not briefed on exactly what NSARS means, what is the movement about, please be sure to check out our last week episode. It talks all about it. So we'll continue to pray for Nigeria. But as I pray for Nigeria, I'm also praying for the United States. Because mm. like I said, we have an election two weeks from now. Mm. And I'm scared out of my mind, y'all. I'm, you, I'm freaking what you're out. About? What's there not to be scared about? <laughs> I, I <hear> you. <laughs> Once again, y'all, 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 I'm going to always um, consider this year, this country as, you know, being the pinnacle of a shit show. This, the election, like you said, is less than two weeks and voter suppression is truly showing out. Not only do we have, you know, COVID um, uh, adding to, you know, the barriers to actually get out and vote, whether it be early mail-in or, you know, even those who are electing to uh, go out the day of and vote. But there are just so many issues going on around the country. I don't know if you've heard about some of the issues or seen some of these issues on um, your timelines or even mm -hmm. from your friends. Even myself, mm -hmm. I requested my Ohio ballot. I kept my vote in the battleground state um, two months ago. 
and I still have yet to receive it. I had to call the board of elections. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, they were able to go ahead and issue me another one. Hopefully I get it this week or next. But they're Um, still playing. They're still playing. They're still playing, you know, and I'm not alone. Thousands of Ohioans don't have their absentee ballots that they've requested as of yet due to printing delays, due to delays within USPS. You know, there are just issues not only in Ohio, but also California. I saw that um, the FBI is investigating a ballot drop-off box fire in Baldwin Hills. It's, it's really ridiculous. Long lines at uh, early voting polls across the country. Uh, sing- songwriter Jonte Austin shared a video of him and others who have been waiting in line for 11 hours to vote. Voter suppression is very real and alive, y'all. But mm-hmm. yet and still, Trump and, and the GOP is still pushing this narrative that voter fraud is rampant. Taryn, you're absolutely right. And to that point exactly, Trump is participating in voter suppression. Exactly. You know, like, we have to take a listen to this clip from the campaign, Laura Trump. Take a listen, y'all. It's just wild to me. To achieve this historic win, we need you, your friends, your neighbors, and your families to join our movement. Ready to fight for President Trump? Text ENLIST to 88022 and register at armyfortrump.com today. Okay, y'all. So you see now, they're recruiting 50,000 supporters, right, to rally for Trump, and they're calling it Army for Trump. And what these people are doing is they're being posted up at polling stations and making sure that people are voting correctly. To me, this just feels very much like some of the tactics that were used in the 19th century to stop Black people from voting. Mm, Say that. To your point, Shaquille, I mean, in 2017... There was a uh, court ruling that relieved uh, the GOP from a consent decree that was passed in the 1980s that forced them to get preclearance for initiatives like the one you just mentioned, you know, voter intimidation measures. They used to have to go to a court before they even kind of engaged in these practices. But in 2017, a, uh, a judge ruled that they would no longer have to do that. And that's kind of opened the floodgates to these these voter intimidation tactics that the GOP and the Trump campaign say they're going to use. I'm just providing some suggestions. Uh, y'all should be very clear and very mindful not to run up on the wrong one. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't run up on be the wrong clear. one. You know, be you clear. Can, I mean, nobody going to try that in Brooklyn or New York, so we don't got to worry about that over here. I okay? told Taryn and Shaquille, you can watch me drop my ballot in. I'll shoot it like LeBron James from deep if you want. Let me tell I'm you. You ain't, you ain't intimidating nobody from voting. Hello? Hello, period. <laughs> so I don't... Ohio Board of Elections, y'all need to go ahead and run me my ballot. Don't make me come down there. Don't make me come down there because I will. You know, and and you Mm got to say, given all of these impediments that Trump and the GOP have put up uh, in the voting process, it makes it all the more pitiful to see some of these black celebrities trotting themselves out, telling us to vote for Trump. I know y'all saw 50 Cent saying... He don't want to be 20 Cent. 50 Cent said he's going to vote for Trump. Ice Cube trying to tell us to vote for Trump. I don't know which which rapper's going to come out. Sir Mix-A-Lot, you got anything to say? Uh, (laughs) Which other rappers we want? Uh, Ice-T? Ice-T would never. I don't know. But the idea that black people could be convinced to vote for a man who doesn't want our votes to count, period is absurd to me. And you just have to consider that, one, it's mostly black men. I want to give credit to Brittany Cooper for for pointing this out, uh, out the writer Brittany Cooper, Cooper, for noting that a lot of the allegiances black men and the small number of black men uh, who support Trump, but the allegiance that these people feel 
toward Trump is facilitated by their misogyny. It's, they're able to bond over that shared misogyny. And I think that's what you see. And one thing I'm not is surprised by that, you know, black women consistently show up and show out at the polls, you know, <laughs> that in in vote, not only just for our, uh, you know, uh, our favor and in, in, in our advancement, but for the advancement of those who are nationally like disenfranchised. So the fact that, you know, we see people like 50 Cent and Ice Cube, you know, going up and kind of like doing a circus to make it seem like it's Uchi Wally when it's really one mic. No, no, bro. We saw this with Steve Harvey and Kanye when they went up in um, Trump Tower and, you know, tried to essentially like, quote unquote, um, uh, meet uh, power where it is and, and, right, and influence. Right. You're not going to influence anyone who refuses to call out white supremacists. You're not going to influence anyone who continues to like make sure that, like you said, Jahan, black people's votes do not count. Like y'all are the weakest fucking link. We already see the manipulation happening, right? Yeah. Because we've seen Eric Trump posted on Twitter, these proud, these brave men, because they're wearing the 2020 for Trump hat. Right, they photoshopped Trump on an ice cube hat. Exactly. Exactly. So this is consistently what happens when black men or black people try to align with Trump. They are used. We've seen it with Omarosa, sad ass. We've seen it with Kanye, sad ass. We're now seeing it with Ice Cube, and we're now also seeing it with 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so frustrating. I feel like people like Ice Cube and 50 Cent tried to stupefy these very complex political discussions. Mm. The reason a majority of black people vote Democratic is not because black people are mindless lemmings who just exist on the, quote, Democratic plantation. It's because there are more shared interests between black people and the Democratic Party than there are between black people and the Republican Party. Republicans could very easily alleviate that circumstance mm-hmm. by stopping preventing black people from voting. But mm-hmm. that's that's deeply ingrained within what the party platform is, and that's why they're not going to attract black voters. This right. effort by Trump mm-hmm. isn't even to attract black people to his side. It's trying to deter black people from voting for Joe Biden, and it's not going to work. And a lot of people forget that black people largely vote Democrat to protect their vote. Literally to protect their vote. So the fact that, you know, you have 50 Cent, you have, you know, Kanye, you have like um, Ice Cube, people like that, you know, who try to align with the powers that be to push their narrative or agenda. They oftentimes aren't doing the real work to make sure that, you know, Black Lives Matter activists have resources, that people who, you know, are, you know, at the most um, at risk for just any type of institutional or systemic racism actually have resources. So it's like, my dude, put your money where your mouth is. Like, you going up in here and you basically tap dancing. I'm not like, no, that's not how this shit work. There's nothing that President Trump or Trump can do at this point to make me believe that he cares about black people, he have our interests at our, in heart, or that he's truly, truly, truly have a great financial plan to benefit our communities and our needs. I don't care what rapper you get. I'm, I'm just continually Child, you disappointed. Be, you get anybody. I'm just continually happen. disappointed, but not surprised. And that's unfortunate. I don't respect y'all. Sorry. <laughs> not sorry. And that's and that. that's that. <laughs> I like <laughs> All right, y'all, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. But when we return, we talk to the founder of Me Too, Tarana Burke, about how the movement is not over, yet starting its second act to continue helping women overcome sexual violence. And that's that. Stay with us. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Joining us today, originally from the Boogie Down Bronx, is a woman who not too long ago graced the cover of Time Magazine as a major influencer for creating Me Too, a movement about healing from sexual abuse and violence that also became one of the most popular hashtags in Twitter history. A very special warm welcome to a hero who doesn't even need a cape, y'all. The Tarana Burke. Hey. Tarana, thank welcome, you so much welcome, for joining welcome. us. We're so honored to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm making it. You know, you ask people how they're doing nowadays, and I want to be like, you want to know for real, for real? Or you just, <laughs> right. you just be up a light. <laughs> no, that's real. That's yeah. real. We want the real, because 2020 has been a year. One amazing thing that has happened was your organization just launched Me Too Act Two, a crowdsourced digital platform that gives survivors, advocates, and allies tools to work towards a world free of sexual violence. This is a, this is a big deal, and it sounds like it's a really useful tool for folks who want to engage in the fight to end sexual violence but aren't necessarily career activists. I'm wondering what the genesis for this platform was, and what do you hope to accomplish with it? Well, it came out of a couple of things. One, I wanted to make movement more accessible. It feels, and a lot of people treat the Me Too movement in particular as a spectator sport, right? Mm -hmm. So the next question I get would be, well, what's next? And again, my, from a movement space and as a, a, you know, career organizer, I would be like, why would y'all ask me that question? You know, (laughs) Um, because my answer is always, you're next. Whatever you do is what's next. We we are in this collectively, but we have to shift the narrative and make people understand that movements move because people move them. And every bit of the work that we need has to be moved by a person who's willing to contribute something. And so I met the folks from FCB two years ago. Um, just, you know how things work. You I was the I was at a thing for one thing and ended up talking to these people and really liked them. And they had done this um, campaign called PFLAG that was around LGBTQ safety. That yes. was like brilliant to me. Right. It was they created this site where you can go on and see how safe a community is for LGBTQ, for folks oh, in the wow. queer community, hmm. right? So, like, you about to travel. Like a green book. I mean, you know, of sorts, right? It's of like, sorts, and yeah. you, can, you, you can kind of get an assessment of how safe it was. And I was like, wow, that's dope technology, right? That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful use of technology for a very specific need. So I thought that was pretty profound. And they were like, oh, you know, we do this. <laughs> this is what we do. And I thought mm-hmm. they were just like an advertising agency. And they were like, no, we we use technology to further these things. So we started talking and they said to me, like, what what would be your vision? What do you need? And I was like, I need a way to make people feel like they're one part of the movement 
and that this movement is completely accessible. That is our movement. It doesn't belong to the media. It doesn't belong to Hollywood. This movement goes as far as we take it. Gotcha. I'd love to. I'd love to stay on that point about um, Act Two being an evolution of the prior iterations of the Me Too movement. I know in recent years there's been a lot of discussion about social media use and its psychological impacts. And I, I spoke with a computer scientist last year who makes the argument that even progressive social movements can be perverted by these social media platforms that use the algorithms not to facilitate dialogue, but to kind of put people into competing and combating environments. And so notably, Act 2 is its own platform separate from these social media sites that were linked to some of Me Too's traction and early success. Um, can you kind of speak to the the benefits of social media as a social justice tool and some of the pitfalls as well, if there are any? I mean, listen, I'm 47, right? And I and I say that to say, I don't think 47 is old, but I'm certainly not of the generation that grew up with a phone in their hand. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and so I, and I'm not an organizer who learned to organize through technology or social media, mm-hmm. because I remember the days of faxing, <laughs> you know, right, yeah. information <laughs> out and going in the phone book, and <laughs> looking, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah you know, I remember <laughs> the, uh, the only way to organize nationally was through phone calls, faxes, and literally going to see people. So in that regard, I think social media is an amazing tool. Like the speed that you can get information out is just unprecedented. But again, then you, you can also get inaccurate information mm-hmm. there's this there's there's the race to get the information out first so people aren't vetting the information right how many times and more than enough times we've seen stuff that come out that people are like oh that's not exactly what happened mm-hmm. now we have more information so it right. just creates this um weird competition to some degree mm-hmm. and this this race to like who can be first and who can be the because that, because then you become the leader, right? We we see that there are people who have positioned themselves on social media as movement leaders based yes. on the fact that they can put information out quickly and get it to the people and then pump that information. And it's sure. just that's that's not that's not cool to me. Yeah. You know. Gotcha. Oh. That's what I love about this new platform you have with Act Two is that you really do have control over the conversation such that it's not being perverted or diverted in any sort of way. So I love this. Yeah, and you can take it like you could take something from the app two platform and go back into your community with that and create right. a dialogue, or you can have a Twitter chat, you know, like right, do what you exactly. Want. But it does give you the the space to kind of move around how you need to. Yes. What I love most about you is you consistently talk about making the movement or movements accessible to queer folks. Mm-hmm. And you have spoken about the erasure of marginalized folks such as trans women from the Me Too mm-hmm. movement. And I'm curious to know, what is the consistent work that we all need to do to make sure our trans sisters of color consistently feel heard, especially in this moment right now? I think we have to stop thinking of them as a, as an, a plus and an afterthought, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's, it's, it's kind of what Black people ask for, right? Don't augment right. us onto the conversation, have us at the table when you start the dialogue. For and sure. I think we're all guilty of it, myself included, of, you know, I, I've been, now that I'm a, I'm more cognizant of it i see it even more but how many times have you been at a meeting or a table where people are like okay this is great oh you know what we need a trans person yeah a trans woman yeah let's get does anybody know laverne cox (laughs) (laughs) it has has happened over and over Mm -hmm. and over again and it is to some degree i mean it's a sign that it's 
there's a change at least that you have some consciousness that we yeah. have to have better representation awareness but if but if there's not an intentionality to say you know this is who this is what the world looks like and this is what I want everything that I'm a part of to look like like we don't have any trans folks on our staff that's you know we we are very clear con, you know cognizant of it it's something that we want to change but it's the fact I do wonder as someone who's kind of been at the center of this movement for several years do you feel as though you're constantly trying to plug several holes given the kind of ubiquity of uh sexual violence i mean there's the story uh, recently of the washington football team having rampant alleged sexual abuse running through its organization and then on the other end you have the tory lanes and megan the stallion incident which is rooted in alleged you know sexual oriented violence so do you feel like you're constantly having to plug all sorts of holes and how do you how do you maintain given that's being asked of you that is a great way to put it i think that i'm not saying i represent the entire movement in sexual violence but me too which is something i started yes in the body of work that i have i get to define what we, who we are and what we do yeah oh so no but you yeah, have yeah. these group group of people who are like she can't speak for the whole movement but i, I <laughs> like they're literally trying to erase you yeah. from right. the movement. So, so I think there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a plugging of holes, and there's like a lot of those holes have to come back to like who we are, and people thinking we shouldn't have a part of this or shouldn't have a part of that. And like another example is when um this this over the summer and after you know after George Floyd and when Black Lives Matter sort of erupted again. I had a lot to say about that, of course. And then folks were like, why are you, uh, I had this child on my Instagram every day talking about I'm clout, I'm, I'm clout chasing. I, I had Excuse to ask my 22 year old what that kids. even meant. Yeah, the TikTok, the TikTok kids were uh, like, what clout am I chasing? I don't understand. <laughs> so my daughter was like, that's, they trying to say, you trying to get uh, more famous by hanging on to this story. Oh, some, I was like, this sounds crazy. So, they do. you know, you don't have anything to do. You're me too. You don't have anything to do with BLM. Now, now all of a sudden you want to talk about Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, so you can look at my black ass face <laughs> and think that I don't have an opinion about like, so my, I, I just, I just can't. Where they at so we can pull up? <laughs> Listen, sis, let me tell you something. <laughs> some of these internet people I, the, the the trolls. People ask me how I deal with survivors sharing their stories all the time. It's not. It's the it's the trolls. The audacity that people have. That's another going back to your first question. Danger of the internet. That's why I get off because I'm just like this is bullshit. You would not walk up to me in the street and say any of these things. So if you would not do that, don't write it on my page. Right. Amen. Right. You know. Then I got to be the public figure and be like. That's unfortunate that we disagree. (laughs) And you know what? Like, I think that goes into a a really good point, like of something that, you know, Jahan mentioned, especially, you know, with with the um, Tori Meg, um, you know, incident and people questioning her pain. So Mm -hmm. when we say protect black women. What does that actually mean? Like, I, I I want you to tell our audience what that actually means because it feels like people still aren't getting it. Well, one, I think it means different things from different people. Yeah, right. True. So true. I, I I can speak to what it should mean, mm-hmm. and I think when we say protect Black women, it should mean that we have the space to be human beings. 
and yeah. not have to be superheroes. I think that it's about not protecting us, our body, spirit, mind, right? We are seeing, you know, you either have the Black woman that's putting everybody on their back and making sure everything happened, or the, the Black woman who is ruining everything with her sex and her sexuality. Mm. And we just don't get to be human beings. So pr- protect what it means to be a Black woman. Protect our freedom. I think it's about... Mm not in a patriarchal sense that that's like we can't live without your protection but we want your protection mm-hmm. right it's mm. it is um you know i i love Ntozaki shange i think she's she's somebody who i draw a lot a lot a lot a lot of strength from and inspiration and and that part of for colored girls when she says somebody anybody sing a black girl song right that's what it means to protect black women. When Erica Badu says, I need someone to clap for me, right? Mm. That's about being a black woman in this world that does not have that protection around us. The way that we will protect everybody, everybody, our people first, other folks, yep. people, everybody. Yes. Yep. And I tell people all the time, everything I know about the work that I do and who I am, I learned from a black woman. Mm-hmm. And every day, in one form or another, a Black woman saves my life over and over and over and over and over again. And so why shouldn't we have that protection? Because the only protection that I see that I can count on 100% is the protection of other Black women. I know they got me, right? My soft place to land, my place to scream, all of that comes from Black women. Word. And I think when Meg Thee Stallion put that up on Saturday Night Live, thinking about her story, it's very much related to that. This woman who we... We can watch her twerk for 12 hours straight. We sing her songs. We dance to her songs. We all sit around and celebrate. We want, you know, we want to wear what she wears and, you know, talk about how she looks. And the moment she comes forward and said, this person hurt me, we like, mm, I don't know if that's true. Right. I don't want that part. Toronto, ooh. You about to make me throw a house shoe in here. <laughs> she is preaching because it's literally all of that. We just want to be human. We want to be free. We want to be protected like we protect everybody else. It's all. It's all. It's not a lot to ask. It's really not a lot to ask. You know, Tarana, like, as you speak, you make me think about, as a Black queer man, what work is necessary for me to do to make sure that all of the Black women around me consistently feel protected. And speaking about protection, according to experts, you know, the pandemic has sadly created this destructive storm for domestic violence because more couples are quarantining and that is causing more risk for abuse. So for couples who are potentially experiencing that, these crimes, how can the Act 2 platform help them? And what other platforms do you suggest these folks use to get protection and help? Yeah, there's certainly a lot of resources on both the Act 2's platform and on Me Too's site, which we've created as sort of a platform for healing versus the, the Act 2 as a platform for, for um, action that are about local resources. And, and you know, we have things like a exit, you know, exit button. So if you have to get off the page quickly because somebody's coming or it'll erase your history and things like that, that are just about like your immediate safety. But there are resources that point to local people who are there to help get people out of these situations. I think one of the things that's harder to deal with that we, we've seen is the rise in domestic violence during COVID and we've seen a rise in child sexual abuse, right? There's two people who are vulnerable 
and being and, and having to stay in places that are supposed to be home but don't operate as homes, right? They're, they're sites of, of, of um, violence. And <clears throat> we created a, a toolkit in the early part of COVID for survivors who are dealing with COVID and it has just a ton of resources. So that's one thing people can pull down from our site. And it's been translated now into three different languages. Like people really have found a lot of useful information. There's a lesson to be learned here because yes, there are some people who are inside because of COVID, but even outside of COVID, there are people who are stuck in situations that are beyond their control, that have to stay in a home because they don't have the money to move, have to stay in a job because they need this money, who are experiencing violence at the hands of people who have more power than them. And I think what COVID does is really draw this, this you know, you get to see a, a sort of a dramatic version of that. But if you can liken that to other situations where people don't have control or don't have very many options, then I think it helps to, to also create some empathy for folks who are in situations where people are like, well, why didn't you just quit? Or mm -hmm. why didn't you just leave? You know? Yeah, sometimes you just can't. That's the reality. I hear you. This is our final question. Um, and you kind of spoke on it a little bit earlier, but can you tell us how we should empower those who don't identify as women or girls uh, to understand that this movement is for them and to understand ways to engage in this movement that are not performative, but rather uh, mm -hmm. substantive? I mean, I think that's one of our failings, right? As movement leaders, I think that it is a lot of that work is on us to be more representative, to be more clear so that that message sometimes people hear the words that are coming out your mouth while they're looking at what's, what's actually going on. And those two things don't jive. Um, so that's one thing I think I would put a call to other folks who do the work that I do and, and include myself in that, that we have to, in, in the same way, we have to make sure that, you know, men understand this is a movement for them too. Yeah. Folks who don't identify as women in any regard across the gender spectrum is if you are a survivor this is a movement for survivors. Yes. Um, and and to be quite honest, that's, you would not believe how much of a challenge that is inside of the movement to get people there, right? People sort of lump us in with all of the women's movement stuff because, of course, we kind of emerged alongside that. And I get it. And and women are largely, you know, uh, um, impacted by sexual violence, but not only. And, you know, if you have a number like one, one in four women will experience sexual violence in their lifetime and another number like one in six men, that's still a, a lot, a lot of people. And guess what? All the people in between on that spectrum aren't even counting. There's no information, no real statistics and stuff. So so we have a lot of work to do. And I think folks in the media, it would be great for 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 you all to also, you know, that's the lift that we need of people changing language being really clear and careful about how you um, talk about this and not always, you know, being binary in the, in these conversations. And it's a journey, right? It's a, it's a, it's a journey, but I think if we're committed to stay on it, it is so important. I mean, what good does it do for us to move to a space where people see survivors, understand survivors, and then leave out a chunk of survivors, right? We're like, oh, we get it. We finally get it. It's why I push so hard around the, around this idea of, um, including everybody and working with marginalized folks, because we know that if you start with the most marginalized, you will get everybody. Hmm. But if you don't, you're just hoping for the best, yeah. right? Yes. Just, yes. Like if you wow. imagine for a minute, 
if I wasn't, I'm not putting myself in no type of whatever, but if Toronto Burke didn't get introduced into this and it was just Alyssa Milano, the women in Hollywood, da 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 da, where would we be? Who would have taken on the job of pushing the narrative around number one, survivors, all survivors, number two, that survivors are run the breadth of every demographic that you know? Not that those people didn't mean well. Right. Everybody means well, but we know about intention versus impact. So just because you intend to include everybody, you doesn't mean that you will. And the impact of that is that so many people get left out. Yes. So y'all get tired of me saying black and brown, black and brown, queer, marginalized, disabled, da 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 da. Black. <laughs> nah, That's nah. cool. Yeah, keep yeah, stay tired. Y'all yeah. just gonna stay tired. Y'all gonna stay tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I promise you, I spent the whole first year looking like they ain't take this mic from me yet. <laughs> Okay, but I think at this point, people, yeah, people know who I am. And I, I feel like if you bring me into a space and you do, you did that knowing what you asked for, because I'm not, I don't conform well, I'm really too old for it. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, from the Bronx, and I'm from the Bronx. Like, <laughs> we love to ask see me it all the time what my self care is. I'm like, boundaries. <laughs> we love to see it. We love to hear it. Right. I fucks with no heavy. Okay. Like, no, no. Sometimes Twitter bio. No. That's a Twitter bio. Okay. That's a Twitter a bio. No. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. Listen. Yeah, you turn on you're going to be, nah, I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. That's outside of my self-care plan. Yes. <laughs> yes. You got to take care of yourself. Can borrow that one. I feel like this, yeah. like, this, this topic is just so layered and so nuanced mm-hmm. and there's just so it many is. ways that we can take it so many resources to share but is there anything else that we may have not touched on that you want to share before we go no i mean i appreciate these spaces to come and have open and honest dialogue i just always want people to know that this like i just said this is a movement for survivors um and that is our first priority we are about healing and action and 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 if the work that we do advances people's healing journeys so that they can come find pathways back to themselves, whatever that self is. And if we can do the work of interrupting sexual violence on a regular basis and make it a part of our cultural work, that we are doing all the kind of ways that we um, move in all the kind of ways we can to interrupt sexual violence, then I'm good. Our work is done. That's what Me Too is. Nothing more. And when people tell you that, you need to interrupt them and correct them and say, that's not true. It's about healing and action, period. Period. Mm. Tarana Burke, a hero, a legend. Icon. A icon. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Blessed us one time for the one time. All of of the accolades. We thank you so much for for joining us. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. It's time for the wrap, y'all. Jahan, what you got for us? Y'all know what's on my mind. I'm <laughs> so, so, so hyped about Michael B. Jordan producing that new Static Shock movie. Did y'all grow up? Y'all grew up on Static? Sing the song. You know Give the song. Give us the you know, song. Superhero <laughs> Static Shock. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. 
Static Shock was such a fun, um, and I honestly didn't even know, like I didn't read comic books growing up or anything, but like to have like that cartoon, that superhero, it was pretty cool. Like yeah. I was I was definitely a, a Static Shock fan. Yeah, so for the people at home, Static Shock is a DC uh, black comic book character. Yeah, with Drez, let them know. 14-year-old Virgil Hawkins in the city of Dakota. Mm-hmm. You know, we get superpowers and I, what I love about the show is that it had tons of cameos too. I don't know if y'all remember. I think uh, Cedric the Entertainer was in an episode. Shaq was in an episode. Steve Nash, T Mac was in that joint. So I just know this movie is about to take off. Michael B. Jordan, what's up? Let us let us get a roll. I'm ready. I'm so ready. More than ready. Also, in kind of like cinema things that I'm looking forward to watching, we have Barry Jenkins dropping more fire, y'all. He mm. is behind the Underground Railroad upcoming Amazon series. I'm really excited about this because it's a series adaptation of Colson Whitehead's Pulitzer Prize winning novel of the same name that came Mm. out in um, 2016. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be nine episodes. When you combine the Academy Award winning Barry Jenkins with Pulitzer Prize winning Colson Whitehead's like when when you combine those two, like you just can't lose. You really Love can't. That. You got a force. Love you got that. a force. Exactly. Get that bag, Barry. Exactly. I don't know if y'all saw the two teasers it's that iconic. actually released. Just the shot alone. It looks so beautiful already. You know, Barry, he just has that like staple feel and, and visual look nice. Mm-hmm. Nice to cinema. It. And it's just like, yo, that man is working. He gets yeah. he gets to the bags. This Lion King. I'm like, okay. We love it's that. just so nice to see someone capturing black people so beautifully, yeah. consistently from Moonlight to now this, to For even sure. to, depict, to depict the time like slavery, but to still show us in a way that is beautiful is very, very rare and not easy to do for many people. You know, he does it effortlessly. Exactly. He gives us dignity and, and, but uh, uh, humanness behind it, the I dignity rather. Yes. He also did Bill Street Catal. Yes. <laughs> that is honestly one of my favorite movies. Despite yeah. the circumstance, when I watch Bell Street, I'm just like, damn, I dream of a love like this. You know, like, we got our black asses and we're going to go through it together, but we're going to rise above it. We're going to try to rise above it. I just love the love that is displayed in that movie. Despite how it ends, the love is just so beautiful. Yeah, he depicts us as we deserve. Damn, I'm about to go watch Moonlight. What up, <laughs> what you got? What, what you, what you, what you obsessed okay, with? Yeah, I got something Shaquille? good for y'all. I got something. I'm, I'm that person who be in the club dancing, and I'm like, "What song is this?" And then I take out my Shazam, and Shazam don't got me covered. But I think Google might have me covered now because Google Assistant has this new feature in which you can hum a song, and it knows the name of the song for you. Okay. So I want to do a little game with y'all. I'm gonna hum a song. I'm gonna give it thirty, like ten seconds. It's an easy one. Okay. And let me All see right. if you guys get it. If you don't get it, you guys should be ashamed of yourself. Oh lord. Damn, pressure's right, on. It's gonna be Beyonce right. watch. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, crazy, yeah, looking crazy. so crazy in love. Crazy in love. Crazy in love. <laughs> I love like reggaeton. And sometimes I don't know what the hell they're saying to me, but I know I like them, yeah. you know? Like I'm here for yeah. it. Okay, I got one. I got one. I got one. Okay, y'all ready? It's on the. Jahan, you know it. It's on the tip of my tongue. I'm shimmying to it though. I don't know what it is, but I'm shimmying to it. March Madness. 
Oh, oh shit! Yeah. March Madness! Oh! That was I'm for you, Jahan? And Tara knows I love Google. How Google about to sit up here and school you on your icon, on your king? Don't let the people know that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my bad. That's supposed to be, you know. that's supposed to be a Tara be listening. Tara be listening in the future, too. I know listening in the future. I mean, we all got a problematic thing. He's one of my problematic things. Exactly. <laughs> Dress it up and make but, but, it real for me. That's one thing. Oh. I hope that they have like a, a, a bevy of yeah. like actual like songs in this collection because a lot of times you go to karaoke, a lot of times you Shazam, like, and it, it don't be hitting. It really don't be hitting what you need. Right after we leave this, I'm going to go and I'm hum saying damn time by future and see if it comes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and see if it comes up. But we also, mm. before we also got to talk about versus season two is coming up and Buster Rhymes is oh, ready. Right. He's ready for T.I. He's ready to go at him. T.I. and Buster Rhymes. I don't see it. I really don't see it, to be honest. You know I think they in two different lanes. But, you know, look, it's been a while since the since the last verses. So, you know, I, I'll get what I can take. That's going to be ill. Buster's been Buster's been doing it for a while since the Tribe Called Quest days. He got hits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Touch it, bring it, babe. You got all of them. I mean, I hope this don't come back to haunt me, but in hip hop, there's gods, there's demigods, then there's like underneath the demigods. There's like layers to this, right? Jay-Z, Nicki Minaj, they're like gods, Drake. Oh, me. <laughs> Damn, you are disrespectful Ooh. right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let me keep my mouth shut because I'm okay, going to get in no, we feel you. That's all right. It's preference. I don't see Busta Rhymes and T.I. going at it. I think T.I.'s catalog is a little bit more extensive. I just don't see it. Extensive. Mm-hmm, I like. Did, you are about to put Ti above Buster Rhymes. Are you really about to do that right now? Give me five. Chiquil, don't do this <laughs> to me right now. You showing your age. You showing your age. Now let's see. Now I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Rubber band man. Like you know, Ti. You know, he definitely has hits. He He's has an extensive catalog. Like he definitely does. I think they just aren't. You can't compare Buster to Ti because that's too different. Like Buster got Janet Buster Jackson. Rhymes is like revolutionary in his own right like especially when we think of like artistically like in in this rap game he worked with janet jackson but i mean give me yeah. one are you serious are you serious i hear you I are hear you serious you. right I, now give me one okay give me one buster rhyme song that could annihilate swagger like us Bro, that's not even the top <laughs> ti song swagger like us that's what you came with Swagger like us? <laughs> Swagger like us you, was the you best had, thing that you, you came had M.I. Right on now? stage performing I believe pregnant. In you. you didn't even say bring them out. You didn't even <laughs> say what you out, know. Tara with the club tunes. Tara name of the club tunes. <laughs> what do you think? The club tunes? What's the guy? The club tunes? Hits, man. I'm naming the hip hop. I'm, I'm naming that's that real. You got touch I'm naming, it. I'm, I'm naming what you got bars on. What you talking about? Swagger you like. You naming some club shit. T.I.'s verse. But... When the last time you played Swagger Like Us? We coming for the Shakira fucking, right now, uh, everybody. Uh, yo, the is, middle school soccer. Was that the last time you played Swagger Like Us? Because that was the it, last it, time it, I heard it, it at a damn it's, sock hop. It's low-key embarrassing, but it's one of my that favorite. It's one of my favorite Grammy performances of all time. You got M.I.A., you got Jay-Z, you got Wheezy. I mean, well, let's see. Let's see. Let's let's see if it happens. Let's see what happens. And let's see what the people say. Let's see. I hope I hope they put uh, Buster Rhymes up against someone who's a bit more fitting. So who should he go up against? I think it's an even battle, but Shaquille was jumping out the window with it, you know, disrespecting Buster. 
But it's, right. it will be it will be interesting. They got us talking about it. Yeah, yeah, right. this is true. And fighting about it too. Oh, we gonna do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it, right? That's yeah. about. I think it. that's it. Okay, y'all. And that's that for this week, y'all. Special thank you to our guest, Tarana Burke. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy Matthew Noah's best, Nick Offenberg, my girl Sarah Patterson, and Becca DiGregorio. Buh, buh, buh. I'm Jahan Jones, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley, underscore tearing it up, wherever you gonna follow me. And follow your boy at Ron Blay, R to the O to the M to the B-L-A-Y. Shit, I might be in the next versus battle. Ooh. <laughs> We'll be back next week. Until then, keep it juicy. Juicy fruit. Bye, y'all. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.